0: This is Who Kicked the Corner Flag, an English soccer game show podcast. And here's your host, James Rose.
1: Greetings, guys. Welcome to another edition of Who Kicked the Corner Flag. Uh, My name is James Rose, and of course, the show would not be complete without my fellow friends. Mr. Jared Basamente, how are you, bud? I am well, I am well, and I am here uh, after
2: my first COVID haircut, whoa! Not had my haircut since January. I thought, you know, I want to look spiffy for you boys. Feel mm. so like you can feel it in my voice,
1: it's, and yeah. uh, I feel like can. You know, yeah,
2: I said I wouldn't cut my hair in, uh, again until Spurs beat Arsenal, and then here we are.
0: <laughs> well, boys, how are you doing, bud? Well, this time, unlike last time, I actually plugged my microphone in, which means that I'm more prepared for this podcast than Stéat Kolasinac was for yesterday's match. So. You know,
1: trending positive. Yeah, I'll see if Kolasin actually he's ever ready for a podcast. He'll probably say no, but anyway. uh, Right, here's what's going to happen. We're going to do a similar thing to last time. We're going to have a couple of questions. Uh, Obviously, it's going to be mostly North London derby focused. And then we're going to conclude with a classic player profile, which will be all North London derby focused as well. So, guys, North London derby Sunday, it happened. And Spurs did take the victory, two goals to one very exciting trying not to be too biased here but um, let's just jump right in with those questions Jared this first one is for you uh, Spurs' come from behind victory was the 10th time either team has done this in a North London derby which team has done it more Arsenal or Spurs? Arsenal final answer Damn it! I thought I'd maybe trick you, but uh, you weren't fooled. You weren't fooled at all, Jared. You're ready. You are sharp. Uh, that'll get you those first two points like I've of been
2: the. Heartbroken too many times, James.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I should have known better. Uh, but that will give you those first two points. Um, so Spurs, I don't know specifically the stats if Spurs are good at coming from behind in specific games. But when Arsenal did score that first goal, did you think? Here we go. It's going to start trending horribly. You know, it could be 2 0, 3 0. Like, were you, were you confident the Spurs could actually go on and win this thing at that point?
2: No, of course not. And if you're, and, and if you, if you were, then I wonder what Spurs team you've been watching, uh, you know, either going through and into February or coming back from COVID. Um, you know, look, there was, um, you know, it's a North London Derby. Anything can happen. Um, right. You know, we we're kind of chatting about that. So from, you never want to be relying on the, well, anything can happen, uh, type, uh, uh, type of mentality. But, you know, this, uh, you know, seeing the squad, you just wonder if there was some carryover frustration. Um, you look at, uh, you know, Cherry's demolition of Lester and you wonder, <laughs> you couldn't score against this team. Like you gotta be kidding. Like what, what is going on? Um, it, uh, um, you, know, you saw it come through, uh, and you know, hats off, a fine effort by uh, Lacazette, uh, gifted by a uh, Serge Aurier error. You know, not going to be too hard on him, given the news after the um, uh, of the weekend, the passing of his brother oh, sure. uh, in in France. But the fact of the matter is, there were there are a number of errors in the back, and I think that was kind of the theme of this match, um, that the uh, it really showed where these squads you know truly need to improve uh in fact i was already up and kind of ranting and raving i was uh smoking a ham and i thought i was angry and i was going to go out and check the temperature of the ham and then i come back in and after hearing it on the speaker outside that it was one one uh so uh the best answer to pounce on um you know we're going to have some discussions about that later i think Mm -hmm. Uh, i think there's a there's a bit of shared Ah, uh, responsibility there between uh, Kolasinic and uh, uh, and David Luis. But'd be happy to debate that with Boyce. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, hats off to Spurs. though. I mean, this is you wanted them to dig deep. They had to dig deep and and they did. and 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 they extended this absurd stat from Josie Mourinho that he's never lost to arsenal at home, uh, <laughs> yeah. which I did not know until obviously after this. Uh, so uh, Spurs stepped up. And you know, truly, you know, keepers on both sides made some pretty impressive saves. I mean, Martinez, with, in my opinion, it's got to be top five, maybe top three, save of the year on a checks notes. Ben Davis, <laughs> just yeah. cracker from outside the stadium. Uh, so uh, it was a uh, uh, it was a fine match for a neutral to watch. Mm-hmm. It was a mentally exhausting match for. All of us, but I feel like either side could have deserved to come away with it. And uh Spurs sealed the deal and I'll yeah, take
1: it. They did. All right, boys, here's your question. How many points have Arsenal now dropped from winning positions in the EPL this season? Is it twenty one or
0: twenty-four? I think at one point it was the most in the entire league. I think it's twenty four. Oh, it is just 21. Unlucky there,
1: bud. Uh, West Ham now actually do have that lead. Uh, they have 24. Uh, Arsenal, I believe, are uh, a second with that, with 21. Um, so let's kind of you know, break down the defense here. Jared kind of teased it a little bit. Uh, like you said, from both sides, it was kind of a little bit sketchy. But from Arsenal's perspective, boys, was that really what did it for, for them not going on to take the win? Uh, was there other areas of the, the game where Arsenal could have improved?
0: Well, I think one of the things with Arsenal that we can get into in a little bit is what they're desperately lacking is somebody in the middle bank of three that can progress the ball and dribble. Right. But in this match, you know, there's just not there wasn't anything in the final third. Even that Lacazette goal comes from a bad Serge Aurier pass and a little bit of additional effort from Granit Xhaka to be able to close it down and then get it off to Lacazette. But that's a one-man effort more so than anything else. The movement in this match wasn't very good on either side. I, th- I think we can probably mutually agree that neither of these teams are really that excellent one way or another. Anyway, (laughs) Uh, there was a lot of just defensive sixes and sevens and Keystone cops related stuff in the final third. And, you know, it's odd that this match finished only two one. There were a ton of chances beyond even the Ben Davis situation that Jared referenced earlier. That was just one hell of a shot. There were a couple of of really great efforts on both sides. I think that ultimately could have gone in except for Martinez and your having. Really excellent matches. But I think if you're an Arsenal fan, you're just left to rue and mourn what could have been. Because I think when that goal goes in and Lacazette scores, it's all that you could have ever asked for. You're up 1-0 against a team that has demonstrated that it's fairly mentally fragile. And that's not really casting aspersions. I mean, this Arsenal team obviously has demonstrated that it doesn't have really a lot of mental fortitude either. But Tottenham were coming off a bad series of results, a terrible 0-0 draw away to Bournemouth sacrificing two points you know they were a point down in the table you're a goal up and it was one hell of an individual strike and an effort as well and then you know I'm sitting here watching the highlights as Lacazette's goal will be the last fun that I have in this match but then Arsenal did what they simply can't do and I've been thrilled with the progress that Mikel Arteta has made I, I think we're in a situation where you legitimately saw what he's done to try and help Kalasnak and Mustafi over the last few weeks. And it all came unraveled as the stress started to build within both players. You know, once Kalasnak that just the, that pass was just ridiculous. What are you doing? <laughs> you can't connect a ball to the middle third center back in a bank of three and you just put it out there. And credit where credit's due to Son. You know, he does what he needs to do in that situation, and he seizes upon the moment. But as of right now, like, I'm looking at this. The only two Spurs players that I see in the picture are Kane and San. There are four Arsenal players across the back, including Granite Xhaka and on Mustafi. Literally, if Kalasnak passes that, if he just chucks it in the air to the other side of the pitch, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Nothing happens. There's no Spurs player for miles within Mustafi or Xhaka's range. And instead, what he does is he plays it back into an area of the pitch that it just doesn't need to go because he's worried. I don't know exactly. what He's staring at Son when he does it as well. We talked about this a little bit before we started. I, I feel a lot of sympathy for David Luiz here because in two instances this year, he has been left one-on-one. One was a Skodron Mustafi back pass against Chelsea that he's trying to defend. And he goes into the player, the player falls down. And even though the Premier League is supposed to be in a position where that's just a yellow card and a penalty, if he's going for the ball in any way, twice that's happened to him. And he's looking at it and he's thinking, you know, you'd like to think that there's something going on in his mind. He's thinking that Harry Kane's going to take this penalty, he's going to make it. And if he's kicked off the pitch, then it's 1-1 and they're down a man for 65 minutes. And it's just not a tenable thing for him to do. I think Martinez actually warrants more blame on that. I think he goes down a little bit too early if he stands strong with Luiz's cover behind him. Perhaps that goal doesn't go in. Mm, good point. But yeah. ultimately, you just it can't exist in this way. Two mm. minutes. Yeah. Two, I mean, if again, I, if Kolasinac just boots that ball down to Uriese, I think Uriese Arsenal had this match. They had Spurs where they wanted. They had the better form going into the match, and they've been a better team. Spurs played a pretty regressive style under Mourinho here. You see it in the possession statistics where Arsenal were at almost 65% for the entire match away to Spurs. I mean, it's classic Mourinho, and credit where credit's due. What he did was allow Arsenal to beat Arsenal, and that's exactly what happened.
1: (laughs) Mourinho masterclass, question
0: mark? I like it.
2: I put a little bit of blame on Luis here. One, he's a centre-back. Two, you have, at this point you had got a high press going the entire way. Kolasinac gets the ball. He can't turn it upfield. I know you're talking about just booting it across the field, but this is credit to how swift Sun is. If you go back to right as Kalasnak is turning it back, Sun is squarely in the middle. They could either come down for a double or press on Luis. It's Luis who's late to the game. He's late to the ball to come in and support his guy. Kolasinac does panic, and he just wants to get rid of it. But the reason why uh, David Luis is wrong footed is because he's trying to get to the spot that he knows that he was supposed to be at in order to alleviate something off of this press and not force your wing back mm-hmm. to just whip it all the way across right as you're in your own half. And I will, I will say I, will I say halfway I halfway agree with you, but I think the idea is Luis has a lot to blame here and he's not, you know, he, he's not without culpability on that.
0: I'm actually surprised in watching it over again. Luis, after all of it goes down, actually backs off of San and lets Martinez have him. And maybe he can't get there because San's quicker than he is. And I think he's trying to cover back and see whether or not he can get into the goal fast enough to be able to block it. But it's just, it's a tragic comedy of errors. And I I think it's a situation where as an Arsenal fan, I probably would have told you that the match felt like it was over then. Mm. Like, things had reversed. I, I I think I had even said in the 75th minute I actually thought it was going to be 1-1. I mean, inevitably, Spurs scored off of a corner and another blown defensive assignment, but it didn't really look for the last 30 minutes like either team was going to do anything of substance. You had that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang chance that went off the woodwork. And again, you know, it's a matter of taking your opportunities when they exist yeah and obami Yang has to finish that
2: this is why i love the biases of an nld pod let's not take (laughs) away the deft and lovely finish of hungman's son because that (laughs) a whole lot harder than it looks folks oh no like no
0: absolutely awesome credit where credit's due to Son. that's great it's a great it's a great finish it was like there's still a lot for him to do there. But, you know, and I said it in the immediate after the math of the match, and I meant it. I think Spurs did a better job taking opportunities when they existed. Mm -hmm. And in that particular instance, what Arsenal, you know, what Arsenal need to do there is just play the ball around for a little while after the goal's done. Easy, simple passes, non-dangerous ones, and make Spurs come at them for a while because it's the... It's what they did is they could have taken Mourinho out of his game his game plan immediately, right? One nil down at home, feeling worried, just pass the ball around, take it easy, get to the water break and try and manage. And instead, they took that advantage and then ultimately allowed Mourinho to go right back into what he wanted to do. And like I said, I you know, it's one of those situations where even saying all of that, I think Arteta's game plan worked. Arsenal were fairly dominant down the wings. Uh, there were a couple of times... Where Pepe just absolutely annihilated Ben Davis. Unfortunately, you know Pepe had that shot that went wide, uh, that was pretty expertly taken. And Aubameyang, I you know that shot has to go in. I I don't know what to say. You know, it's one of those situations where you have you're the best player on the pitch, tearing down the left hand side, gets a beautiful ball in, has nothing but Larice and the goal between him, and he had so much. There was so much space below where he struck that ball that it goes in mm-hmm. and you know in the end you know the the fact that it makes it this hurt ultimately even more is that inevitably arsenal conceded just a ridiculous corner <laughs> like what are you doing letting alder do that that's a terrible goal to concede i feel for emmy martinez <laughs> it's just say that like tyranny had a
2: choice in the matter that was manhandled <laughs> god he uh, yeah. was
0: yeah. No, I mean, you have a left back on a center back. Yeah. And, you know, Mustafi's roaming around again. It's just the nail in Arsenal's coffin was... I'm sure you guys remember this because it was hilarious. I laughed at it and it happened to my own player. When Kane's got the ball on the left-hand side and he's approaching goal and Son's running to the middle and Mustafi just regresses to his old self and goes down. And, like, Harry Kane the man that is always looking for a trailing leg is legitimately surprised because he's gone down so far away from where the state of play is. (laughs) And then he just kind of like goes around him like a parking cone while he's on the ground. And then all son almost scores.
1: Yeah.
0: As an arsenal fan, the moment you saw that you realized that everyone had just gone to panic stations. And I think that that happened shortly before Tottenham scored, Mm. you know, well they lost their fool.
1: yeah well let's go ahead and jump into the second set of questions Joe. this next one is for you speaking of harry kane uh harry kane still holds the record for the most goals scored in a north london derby but how many goals has he scored from the spot is it three or five that's a lot uh three it is five. Would you oh, believe man. it? Half of his again. goals in the North London Derby wow. have been from the penalty spot. Oh, I gotta laugh! But we anyway, we do it um... to
0: ourselves. And in the <laughs> immortal words of Radiohead, "We do it to ourselves." There it is. I like it. it, um... it that's what really hurts. We do it to ourselves. Us. And no one else.
2: This is where Boyce and I disagree. I do believe there is an art in drawing the penalty where I think there's a lot of credit that goes toward – goes to a
0: forward as Mm. being as – There's an art to diving. It's why it's an Olympic sport.
2: (laughs) No. I said drawing a foul.
1: (laughs) Drawing a foul, quote, unquote. Drawing a foul.
2: And, you know, (laughs) know, I'll I'll teach you how to do it, Boyce, you know, if we ever get to, you know, being able to play soccer again. But –
1: yeah, let me ask you, though, that, about uh, Harry Kane. Uh, there was a lot of question marks about... I mean, obviously, he contributed a fair bit to this game, but there was uh, discussions about body language from him during this game and whether he was truly invested. Do you have any thoughts on that? Do you think he's at that point now where he's starting to maybe edge for a move, or is that is not that not the right thought, so to speak?
2: I mean, if we listen to the rumors, he's been in that state of mind for two years. So what has changed? <laughs> fair point. <laughs> uh, you know, I... I do wonder, um, you know, if, you know, I think at this point, you know, Harry might have been just kind of looking towards summertime, you know, pre-COVID, maybe shop around, maybe, you know, figured out. Because I do think some of those rumors actually had, you know, some steam uh, with getting rid of him. And we've had some, you know, previous conversations on the pod where I think if, if, if Harry Kane were to be dealt, Daniel Levy deserves zero credit whatsoever because he was doing it when his hand was forced. But um, maybe, and then maybe a break, you know, maybe uh, maybe crystallize for it. I don't know. But I do know that uh, I doubt that his heart wasn't in it. I mean, my hope is that, uh, you know, maybe he's just a little out of shape. I don't know. But, um, you know, the the rumors are going to swirl mostly because obviously this is a vastly underachieving club, especially when you look at last year. And uh, uh, I mean, the kid wants Champions League football. He deserves it. He deserves Europe. Right. And uh, my hope is that if and when it does happen, that it's you know to the continent and uh, we're not seeing him uh, twice a year. But <laughs> I think, you know, we see it every year. Uh, you know, I know Boyce is going to chime in here. You know, anything more than a bag of balls to get for Harry Kane is a bonus. But I, you know, the, the numbers don't lie in that he is an absolute asset um, and a deadly weapon to have. I mean, you know, five goals from the spot. Tell me how many he's missed. Well, the answer is zero. So, more I can say for "quote unquote" the best player on the pitch on uh, on Sunday. So, <laughs> I think the I think the point is if he wants to stay, if Mourinho can sell him on some kind of rebuild, and guarantee him championship. I mean, if he wants to wait two years, I mean, he's twenty what twenty six, twenty seven.
1: Um, twenty seven, I think. Yeah.
2: Then, I, I kind of don't see how the math shakes out. I honestly don't. Hmm.
0: Um, and neither, neither one of these teams are making the Champions League for the next three or four years. That's kind of my point, Whoa! right? I mean, and, and, and that's <laughs> I, what I mean. I, I just, like, if you has that, to I-
2: sell him on some kind of rebuild and guarantee it. Otherwise, I mean, with an ascendant Chelsea and Manchester United, City being, you know, gifted, just getting out of jail free card, um, I don't really see it. So, yeah.
1: We'll see. Yeah, boys. Let me ask you your question first, then we can elaborate on that. Uh, since two thousand, what has been the largest goals in a single North London derby? Is it seven or nine? In how many years since two thousand?
0: It's nine. It was five four, right?
1: He's got it. Yes, sir. It was. Should give you bonus points, but that's not going to happen. Uh, it was five four to Arsenal. In do you remember when it was?
0: 2006?
1: Close. 2004. November 2004 at... White Hart Lane, ouch. Um, so then, yeah, go ahead and elaborate on that. But also, I was going to ask you that uh, in terms of you kind of teased it already, future projections of both of these teams. Are we going to ever see a five-four, a four-four, a five-two? Dare I mention that? Uh, those kind of high-scoring results in future derbies, because quite frankly, they haven't been that high-scoring in the last couple. We've had draws, we've had one-nil wins. Uh, so, what is the the five-year plan if you want to go uh, go down that road?
0: Well, I think the five-year plan looks very different for both clubs. You know, Mourinho won out yesterday. Uh, His tactics worked against Arsenal, but they didn't work against Bournemouth. And the reality is Spurs are paying him 15 million pounds a year. And (laughs) he's just not going to get the investment that he needs. I I think, to Jared's point earlier, Spurs want to begin on an upward trajectory again, especially because there's just not going to be money to spend over the summer. You know, there's a billion dollars in stadium debt. You know, Spurs were in a position where they thought that that stadium was going to be hosting NFL games and concerts and, you know, nightly attractions, and they're not. You know, there's no money coming in, there's a huge amount of debt. They've got to do something to free up a little bit of money. And I think to the extent that you could get a decent amount for Kane, you should. Their problem is the fact that right now, you know, transfer values are a little bit diminished. And I saw somewhere a few days ago that Harry Kane was initially rated at like 200 million pounds. And that is absolutely laughable. Uh, you know, I think if you if somebody offered you nine figures for Harry Kane, which I that would be absolutely ridiculous for a 27 year old striker with a massive injury history, uh, you take it. And I think that that's the key for Spurs moving forward. I, I look at this lineup right now. I, they're not very good defensively. There are a lot of dangers moving forward. I think the midfield doesn't necessarily work quite as well. I think Mourinho has a terrible relationship with your best midfielder in and uh, which is creating division and chaos there to the extent that Kane's not happy. That's kind of crazy. You know, you'll probably finish, assuming Arsenal lose to Liverpool on Wednesday, which I think is inevitable, I think you'll finish ahead of Arsenal this year. But for what? You know what I mean? Like, ultimately we're going to finish probably eighth and ninth Mm. with the way that things are stacking up right now and the way the table looks. Uh, Neither one of the clubs are going to come anywhere near champions league, especially with Manchester city, definitely qualifying to Jared's point. You might as well pencil in Manchester city and Liverpool into the top four next year. United are going to spend hundreds of millions of pounds over the summer to reinforce a lineup. That's already looking ultimately more effective with martial, Rashford, bruno fernandez paul pogba you know it, it just the list goes on and on and on the new kid it, it's just they have so many attacking options and harry mcguire is not great but they're going to spend more money they got juan Bissaka, you know they're going to be solid defensively and whether or not the keeper from bournemouth or not, sheffield united dean henderson ends up coming back and taking it over for David Hayes, he loses a little bit of form, who knows. But ultimately, I think you could pencil United and probably Chelsea into the top four next year with the amount of talent and money that Chelsea are spending because the transfer ban ultimately worked for them. They were able to stockpile that hazard money and use it in a depressed market. And they've already got Ziyech in. You know, Pulisic looks fantastic. They've got Timo Werner coming in. They're looking at Kai Havertz. That team's going to be stacked. They're still going to be terrible defensively, but there's still money and time to spend, hmm. I, I, which means you've got Leicester, who look like they're going to fall out of the top four. Cause you just can't lose four to one to Bournemouth. But you know, you have wolves, you have these teams that when Arsenal and Spurs don't have money to spend that have been better run than Arsenal and Spurs and have lesser in payroll and are more easily able to survive. Yeah. That's, those are our peers right mm-hmm. now. And you can't tell me. I mean, Jared might have a difference of opinion, but you can't look at the Spurs roster and you know the same is obviously true for Arsenal. Arsenal have eight center backs on their roster, and all of them are terrible except William Saliba, who's coming in next year and he's 19. So what you can do with those pieces if you're Arsenal to try and get players in and players out. I think Arsenal desperately desperately need uh, an attacking midfielder who can break the lines with passes. I think Danny Ceballos has been great, but he's more of an eight slash 6, then he is a 10. And I know the 10 doesn't really necessarily exist in the way the modern midfield works and the lanes and all of the other stuff that's going on. But Arsenal need that. They need a really good center back and probably a winger. And there's not money for any of that. And unlike, you know, to Spurs credit, I think they have players to sell. But the thing is, Levy hasn't done a really great job of buying cohesive players. So you're trusting him to then go back out into the market when you sell a player for a depressed amount and turn that around and try and find a replacement which is why i think in the end you sell Kane. I, I, but the problem is where are you going to find a striker to replace him well, and ul- yeah. ultimately if you go younger you're going to end up spending all that cane money on one player and do you trust daniel levy to do that no <laughs> <laughs> i'll just get an to that
1: All right, let's go ahead and move on. Let's go ahead and play a round of player profile, guys. Bring that classic back into the fray uh it's been a while too so uh for those who aren't familiar (laughs) jared's ready uh i'm going to provide five different clues to a current premier league player each clue easier than the last the first person to shout their name and correctly guess said player will win those points but you only get one guess of course because an incorrect shot will freeze you out so as i mentioned uh before the episode started or when the episode started there'll be north london derby players there'll be six of them Three of them will be Gunners, and three of them are Spurs players. Uh, they may or may not have played this weekend. There's a little twist in there. All right, here we go then. Player number one is a forward. Has registered nine goals and nine assists this season. Jared. Yes, Jared.
2: Alexander Lacazette.
1: Is incorrect. No, that does freeze you out. Nice try, though. Uh, so Boise's Clues Off for You is 28 years old. Joined his club in August 2015 and is a South Korean international.
0: Uh, yeah, I wondered whether or not this is going to happen. Hung
1: Min Song. <laughs> that is absolutely correct. and get you. I
2: had it in my mind because I knew Lacazette, that was his ninth goal that he scored mm. in the Derby. Oh, so.
1: I see. Got you there. Uh, all right. Player number two is a defender. Is 33 years of age. Has played for another Big 6 club. Boyce. Yes, boys.
0: David Luiz.
1: Yes, there it is. David Luiz is absolutely correct and gets you those two points. The other clues on this one. A Brazilian international received a red card in his first game back after the restart. Gotta love him. Good old David Luiz. All right, player number three. Has yet to score an official EPL goal this season. Is a midfielder... Is an Argentine international...
0: Boyce. Yes, Boyce. Giovanni Lozoso?
1: Uh-oh, he's on a roll, Jared. because that is absolutely correct. And that'll give him those yeah. next two points.
0: Yeah, wrong, right? Tip
2: of
1: <laughs> my tongue, I should have just said it. Oh, I should have just said it. Uh, the other clues on that one were used to play for Real Betis. Betis, I think that's right. And first name is Giovanni. Uh, Plan number four is a striker... Is six foot two inches tall. Has a family member as his agent. Is slightly injury prone. First name is Harry. Jared. <laughs> yes, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Kane. <laughs> uh, is Boyce there?
0: <laughs> yeah, I-, I was just like, I don't know, this seems how tall is harry kane and so i don't pro- know what his agency situation looks
1: like bizarrely yeah so harry kane is kind of tall uh, and his brother charlie is his agent
0: <laughs> Who thought? i don't think
2: i knew that yeah
1: kind of crazy but true yeah so there you go well, it
2: explains why he's staying put
1: <laughs> <laughs> charlie uh, bittersfink Dan- daniel
2: evie's gotta love charlie
1: <laughs> charlie bit all right uh player number five is 32 years of age Where's the number five? Is a defender. Jared.
2: Yes, Jared. Crap. I lost track of how many spurs. So, no. <laughs> so you said three and three. Damn it. Uh,
0: <laughs>
1: shit. I'm going to have to count you out well, here. Three.
2: I know two. that it is not Jan Vertonghen. It is So I'm going to go... Uh, <laughs>
1: I feel like um, I should, I should penalise you here because
0: <laughs>
1: it is not um, class snack. No, boys. Yeah, uh, Well, let me read the other clues I, first. Uh, I can
0: I can do it. Socrates Papa, Zostopoulos.
1: Yes, that is absolutely. I was hoping you to say his Papathistopoulos. name three <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yes, that is correct. I'll get you those two points. The other clues uh, has only netted three goals for the club and is
0: a Greek international. So there you go. And, and he was only because Sayad Kolasinac couldn't keep himself onside in the original fixture this year. He was <laughs> deprived of a goal. Boom. Deprived of a game-winning goal in the opening match between like these that. two clubs. At any rate, let's do the last one.
1: <laughs> well, the last <laughs> one is last one is another forward. Is 29 years of age. Boys, yes, boys. Lacazette. Yes, sir, it is. Lacazette Man. is. it's <laughs> absolutely correct. Uh, the other clue is has been with this club since 2017. Has netted technically nine goals now because i wrote this before the north london derby uh and is a frenchman so there you go black is it nice work on that uh that does wrap up the quiz and we do have a winner this week uh jared so you did come away with four points but Boyce did kind of get on a roll there took the win with 12
0: uh boys is the winner once again how are you feeling bud uh you know more defensively solid than arsenal's back line <laughs> Uh, before we wrap up
1: I do want to cover and I think you kind of tease it a little bit Jared the news that broke today about Manchester City uh, getting their ban overturned uh, so it went from having two seasons out of the Champions League to now no seasons out of the Champions League and a 10 uh, million euro fine I think crap yeah what's what's the thoughts here guys
0: utter shambles just financial fair play is dead bury it give it a nice headstone put a limerick on it, it's over. It's just absolutely ridiculous. The fact that they got hit with a $10 million fine, which is meaningless, uh, they're back in the Champions League. It's not going to impact them one way or another. Even a year out of the Champions League might have impacted their transfer strategy a little bit, and it certainly would have impacted whether or not Pep was going to stay. But now, if, if all it requires is net spend in order to be able to get something like that overturned, UEFA might as well just never issue another finding like that ever again. Because you know, not every team's going to have chic money. Right. But if this is the ultimate design, and all it takes is throwing a bunch of money at it and getting it to go away, and you're in the position that City's in, where you're going to qualify for the Champions League, and you're looking at you know a hundred million or more pounds, it, it's just a farce. Yeah. And it's disappointing to see. You know, it's one of those things where you know Arson Wenger was right more than he was wrong about the future state of football, and here we are. I think he was quoted back in 2015 about this very topic, yeah. and ultimately was proven to be correct because this is—I I thought even in my most cynical form, I thought that we were going to get money in a year, and now you know Arsenal and Spurs weren't going to make the top five, much less the top four. Mm-hmm. Uh, but ultimately the beneficiary of this is going to be the teams that finish in the top four this year, because I think Leicester look like they're on their way out. Uh, They haven't looked very good as of late. It took a red card for them to even get a result against Arsenal. And now you're going to see Liverpool city United and Chelsea. And you know, I, Mm. I worry that that's all we're going to see going forward. But regardless, I, and this is just, it's just ridiculous yeah. I, I woke up to it and I wasn't surprised but I just massively disappointed I think
1: that was the same for me too I, I, I knew the news was coming and I was kind of like I know it's going to go this way but if anything it kind of seems like now that it sets this precedent almost that other teams can think they can get away with it so Chelsea might try something now or Paris Saint-Germain might say well you know Man City got their thing overturned why can't we you know how much money is it going to take to to just make this go away and then all of a sudden it just completely unravels and it's just like well Where's the credibility of, of the sport at that point? That's what just gets me. It's like this. This has opened a whole new can of worms now. That you know, yeah, maybe one ban I think would have kind of balanced it a little bit. But from going from two to nothing, and then a ten million fine, which again to city is laughable. That's just nothing. Drop in the ocean. So I don't know. I mean, Jared, do you have any any follow up thoughts to well, this? Yeah, what's tough here is that I think the
2: the criticism. One is if we all believe that CAS is a complete, you know, a, a divine entity that is not, uh, you know, under the influence of anything else. Of course it is. Um, but really, I think a valid criticism would go directly to UEFA itself, the CFCB, and looking at the language of the decision. What CAS appeared to hang their hat on was, yeah, City did obstruct UEFA, and they obstructed the investigation, the CFCB's conclusions, however, the violations that they alleged either didn't exist at the time of the investigation or were time barred. So that to me says two things. One, it is possible that city, in running out the clock, was trying to wage, okay, if we don't cooperate and we hide all this crap, we're going to get hit with obstructing the process. But it paid off because CAS said in the opinion that obstruction of the process, while a crappy thing to do, does not warrant a censure of non-participation in UEFA-sanctioned events, which is garbage.
1: Yeah.
2: Or CFCB fouled up the underlying investigation so much that when UEFA issued its original opinion and ban, they said, you know what, good enough, close enough. There's a lot that needs to be kind of unraveled here, and a lot of it is really kind of in the minutia. But the fact of the matter is there were breaches that were time barred. And if someone can explain to me how financial fair play is supposed to work when you're talking about statute of limitations on sport that apparently are shorter than a time it takes that we're allowed to file a felony in the state of Missouri – I'm very confused mm-hmm. because at the time of discovery, I would love to dig into this time bar. That means either somebody had to know, or they hid it long enough to where once it was discovered, it didn't matter. Either way, that cannot be how this operates, and this is the example why. I have no doubt that these that this award this uh, uh, this opinion is going to be based on you know uh, at least some semblance of law and arbitration yeah. but the problem is that needs to change and this is what happens when you have the biggest stakeholders right in the right in the memo right mm-hmm. when you have these kinds of uh when you have this kind of ability to lengthen out the process and like i said blatantly the fine is 10 million only because they, they were found to have not participated in the investigation yeah the sanction for non-participation in investigation has to be much higher. Mm. That can't, because you know, to your point, James. Now everyone is thinking, "Well, screw it. Let's just not. Let's just not participate in any investigation because we know we're looking at ten million pounds." And to Boyce's point, if you're looking at chel, if you're looking at Chelsea, you're looking at United and all that drop in the ocean. Yeah. So, but I do think uh, UEFA itself, it would appear. Uh, that they kind of screwed the pooch with respect to the investigation. And that is something that I hope that they learn. The problem is, uh, I guarantee you that the next, you know, team they bust is not going to be a team that has anywhere near the resources of Manchester City. And we're all going to see the writing on the wall there.
1: No, I absolutely agree with that. And I I say Spurs or Arsenal hopefully don't fall foul to anything like that. But you can kind of see one of those teams suddenly being falling short of some kind of rule and then all of a sudden they go broke and i don't know maybe i'm just kind of over speculating but it does make one mad when you're trying to you know see justice in a sport and uh and balance of power and all that but it sounds it just appears now that city have just you know taken it to a whole new level and they're now on my uh, well they always happen on my shit list but they are even more now Anyway, uh, <laughs> on that note, uh, let's go ahead and wrap it up. Oh, by the way, th- before I close this, I just realized this. This is our 100th episode, guys. 100 podcast episodes. This is nuts. Well, congrats.
2: Essentially, Club. <laughs> look at that. There we go. Oh, we'll take man. it. Man,
1: and who's the poor soul that's
2: been listening to all 100? That's you know, <laughs> Tweet that, at us. Yeah, I was going to say. Has anyone subjected <laughs> themselves to all 100? Tweet at those? us. If you're out there. If you're out there,
1: let us know. If you made it to the end of this episode, when we realized, then yes, tweet us. <laughs> let us <Yeah>. know. <laughs> let us know. All right. Well, that does just... pleasure
2: for a hundred episodes. Oh, uh, for sure. This vastly has been... underperforming and losing a lot,
1: but uh, you know, I don't have those stats, Jared. But I want to say, if I did do of the 100, uh, the balance might not be there quite for you, Jared. But it's okay. You know, we got, we got, we got episodes. You can catch up. It's all good. Uh, maybe, Thanks, I shouldn't. <laughs> maybe I shouldn't do those numbers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that does wrap up today's episode. Thanks, as always, to my guests, Gerobus Mente and Boyce Richardson. Of course, you can check out our social media stuff. We're on Twitter, at Kit Corner Flag, Facebook, which is Kit Corner Flag. And good old Instagram, at Kit Corner Flag as well. All right, guys. Until next time.